I'd like you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. I've already had a few people say, what, what passage are you preaching from for Christmas Day? Exodus chapter 33. Let me read verses 12 through 23 for you. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me, yet you've said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I've found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. I'm here this morning to tell you that the Christmas story is everywhere in the Bible. And when we read the Bible to find out about God, we will begin to see it everywhere. Starting with Genesis chapter 3, the Christmas story starts right there, and going all the way through Revelation. But in some places, it shows up a bit more clearly than others. Now, you've got to read things carefully in order to see it, but it's there. And it's just like in our passage today, Exodus chapter 33. Let me give you a little bit of background on how we got to this point in Exodus. The Jews have crossed the Red Sea. They've been delivered out of Egypt, plagues and everything happened. They traveled through the Sinai wilderness. God has given them manna from the sky. He's given them water from a rock, sweet water, where there was contaminated water. He's just taking care of them left and right. He's given them their first military victory against Amalek. They've arrived at Mount Sinai. They have received the law. They've received the instructions on how to build the tabernacle. They've received the guidelines for establishing the priesthood and the sacrificial system, and, then, and they have since then consecrated the priests. They received the promise of Canaan, which was the promised land, and now they've seen the consequences during all that of rebelling against God. We had that nasty little affair with the golden calf, remember that? And now God tells them, it's time to leave Sinai. They're going to go from there. But before they leave, Moses is going to have this intimate encounter with God. Now, we've seen Moses before. He speaks with God, speaks with him directly. God 
gives them directions, and sometimes Moses is pretty good at following them. Sometimes he's not. Uh, when he's not, there are always consequences. So he's going to have this in, intimate encounter with God, and Exodus chapter 33 details that encounter, and, and, and it's a spectacular shadow, a spectacular portent of the coming Messiah, which we see in the Bible about 1,700 years before the Messiah arrives. So we're going to see the Lord's favor, we're going to see the Lord's presence, and we're going to see the Lord's glory. So let's take a look at the Lord's favor, starting in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up the people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Uh, Moses doesn't have a lot of confidence in his own speaking capability. And he's not, he's not quite sure how all this works out yet. Uh, and so he says, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Moses is saying to God, well, you, you say you know me, you, you say you favor me, you know, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out yet. Now, in verse 13, he says, now, therefore, Moses says, if I've found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. This is Moses. This is the guy that was floating around in a basket as a baby, grew up under Pharaoh, uh, and had to run and hide because he defended his own people. And he's come back and he's led them out of Egypt. You've had the whole Red Sea thing and the waters being parted and the people walking by on dry land and Pharaoh's army being crushed by the Red Sea. He's taking them through the wilderness and, and he says, show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Moses is looking for more favor. He's saying, okay, you said I got favor. I, I think I need a little bit more here. Consider too that this nation is your people. Have you ever been praying and felt like you needed to remind God of something? <laughs> That's what Moses is doing. Remember, these are your people. And you can see God just kind of sitting on the throne and smiling. I know, I know you. I know you have some questions, Moses. I get it. Okay. So Moses considered the most holy among all of the Jews, revered, still wants to know more about God, realizes that he still needs to learn more about God's ways. You know, we got here to the mountain. The mountain was on fire. You know, we had some problems down there in the bottom while I was up on the top, but everything seemed squared away. But now we got to leave the mountain, leave that place of security, leave that place that, that God has led us to and go to this promised land that we haven't even seen yet. But he's favored by God. The word favor shows up five times in this passage. God's trying to show us something here. And if, if we look at the meaning of the Jewish word, it means that he's accepted. Uh, and, and, and there's a little bit of a connotation of he's actually preferred. And, and I, I don't want to take this too far uh, because God doesn't play favorites. But what, what we're hearing right here is that Moses is God's man for the hour. He's called to do this. He's been equipped to do it. And now God's telling him what to do. And Moses is having a little bit of a problem. I'm not sure I can do this. Okay? So he's, he's accepted, he's preferred, he's favored, but in a very general sense. And so now we move to God's presence. And God says to Moses in verse 14, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. I love that. I love that. My presence will go with you. I will give you rest. It's a promise. It's a promise for all of us. Isn't that what we're looking for? Rest? 
peace. In particular, peace with our Father in heaven. So I will give you rest. And he said to him, this is Moses. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. He said, if you're not going to go with us, I heard what you just said. If you're not going to go with us, don't make us move from here. We'd like to stay here with you if you're going to stay here. Verse 16, for how shall I be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Now, Moses, how are folks going to know? How, how are the people around me going to know that you say I've got favor? How is this going to happen? And, it, and is it not your going with us? So Moses is saying your presence with us will demonstrate the favor that you have on me, will demonstrate the favor that you have on your people, so that we are, God's presence demonstrates his favor, so that they are distinct. I and your people. Now, this is quite some time ago that it was written, but we find out that God's people are distinct. They're set apart from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I'll do. For you found favor in my sight, and I know your name. Moses realized that the Lord's presence would set them apart from every other person in the world. Now, we keep hearing that, don't we? That we're set apart, that we're, we're set aside for God's purposes. Here we are. And, you know, I've told you this before. There are only two types of people in the world. We can get into ethnicities and nationalities and all that stuff. But what this really boils down to, those people who know Jesus and those people who need to know Jesus, those people who belong to God and those people who need to belong to God. So God's presence is a proclamation of his presence among his people. And God, now, and, and this, is, this is a limited type of presence. It's... It's just when the tabernacle has been built, his interaction with his people, they have to go to the tabernacle. When they get there, there's a veil between them and between God. So this presence that we're talking about is very limited. Access to God is somewhat limited, and that's primarily because God is holy and they're not. The whole sacrificial system is there to show them that God's holy and they're not. It's not going to deliver them. We find out in Hebrews, sacrifices didn't save them. So God says, yes, I'll go with you, but my presence will be somewhat limited. Now, that takes us to God's glory. So Moses hears all this. And he says, okay, I hear you. I'll do all that. Show me your glory. Show, your, show me your glory. It's not an unreasonable request. I mean, who among us that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior don't want to see God's glory? I mean, it, it's, it's one of these moments that would, it would, just, it would change everything. Wouldn't you think? And, and so God says to Moses, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim for you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy to whom I show mercy. Now, God's literally telling Moses, I'm doing this because I am who I am, not because you're some sort of special person. But uh, you have found favor with me. So I'm going to do that and will show you my goodness. And verse 20 says, but you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. Can you imagine? 
A God that is so holy, so pure, so absolutely perfect, that unless some very special arrangements are made, you can't even look at him. Can't look at his face and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on a rock. It's going to be at God's timing and his place. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. It's an incredible moment. The Jew among Jews the holy, most revered man among the Jews can't even look upon God's presence and face to face. He's allowed to see the glory of God, but not his face. It would be too much for even Moses to look upon the glory of God. So what have we seen here? We've seen the Lord's favor. God bestowed his favor upon Moses. So we learn that God does bestow favor. A little later we find out he does it on whom he chooses to do it to. But even then, it's a general favor. Back then, it's a general acceptance. And it would would remain that way until a perfect favor would come along. In Luke chapter 4, verse 19, It says, proclaim, Jesus is here. Jesus comes to proclaim the year of what? God's favor. Jesus is the proclamation of God's favor. Jesus is the Lord's favor upon man. And it's a time, it's a time of God's, of the Lord's perfect acceptance in and through his son. He's talking about it all the way back there at Sinai. He's saying, Moses, you can't do this yet. The arrangements haven't been made yet. We've seen, we've seen the Lord's presence. Moses saw that God's presence made his people unique, made them distinct. Living among them, even though he was behind a veil, living among them, made a statement about God's presence and about his people. So what what happens when when the angel comes and visits Joseph in Matthew chapter 1? He quotes Isaiah, and he says this, Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Did you catch that? God's presence. With the arrival of Jesus, God is now physically among his people. He's walking with them. He's eating with them. He's living with them. And as he leaves, as he hangs on a cross, as he breathes his last breath, the the veil in the temple is torn into, and there's no longer a barrier between man and God. He not only lives among us, he removes the barrier. But even more astounding than that, that, that's pretty incredible, but even more astounding than that, at the end of his earthly ministry, he ascends to the Father, 
He sits in glory at the right hand of God, and he sends the Spirit of God to now live in his people. You see the difference between with and in? And his people become the living, breathing presence of God. They're his presence in the world. They're set apart for his glory. A unique people proclaiming his presence just by being in the world. Now we saw the glory. Moses couldn't see it in its fullness. He wasn't allowed to look directly upon God's face, couldn't see God face to face. When the baby Jesus was born, everything changed. Mary held the baby in her arms. Joseph rocked the baby to sleep, kissed the baby's forehead. And he was in every way the glory of God. The writer says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's what we celebrate today. The birth of Jesus Christ, the favor of God, the presence of God, and the glory of God, living living inside each one of you that call upon him as Lord and Savior. Something Moses could never have imagined. But something that God was trying to tell us from the very beginning. I'm not just going to be with you. I'll be in you. And that story, that story is not only everywhere in the Bible, brothers and sisters. If you call upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've confessed your sins and repented, that story is written on your heart. That's why we go quiet on a day like today. It's why there's something special in the air. The Spirit of God, not just poured out on us, but in us. We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? We have so much that we could praise God for. So I'd like to, I'd like to just take some time for us right now to express our thanks to the Lord. If you've got something you'd like to thank him for, if you'd like an expression of gratitude you have for the Father, I'm going to ask you to come forward and share it. It's Christmas, so I'm thankful for all my blessings. And one of my blessings as I complete 75 years in this existence is perspective. I can remember all the joy under the Christmas tree, the gifts from Santa Claus, but I just can't remember what they were. What I do remember 
is the blessing of mom and dad. The blessing of my little brother, which I didn't appreciate until later. The blessing of my wife. The blessing of children. The blessing of friends. Then, importantly, the blessing of a man who came into my life, and he and his wife led me to appreciate one of God's blessings. Use your imagination. I am a modern man. This is my Bible. To be able to read this every day and feel the joy that God has left for me. And for those blessings, now that I more fully understand them, I'm most thankful. So Diane said I could cry when I gave a weather report, so warning. <laughs> so, but, so what I've seen God do in my son's life over the last year is astounding. Um, you may not know, but he was living life, he's almost 40 years old, and he's living, he was living just as a bachelor in a house that he just let be run down and had no direction in his life, and then... He called me in January and said that he and his girlfriend were expecting a baby. And, okay, that's kind of shocking. I know it was a shock to him. But what has happened between then and now is amazing because my family came together and worked on his house for months and got that decrepit, disgusting house into a beautiful home. And he was able to sell it at a good price. And we were praying, you know, where's he going to live? And, I, you know, he ended up buying a house three miles from me in Warrington. And family is so important to him. And he sees the blessing of, of the family coming together and helping him. And we have such a, a close relationship. He doesn't know the Lord, but he's close by and we're able to pour into his life and I'm so thankful for that and it just reminded me too the Lord brought back a, an, a, a remembrance um, when I was in small group at my prior church rest in Bible um, there was a man who joined our group and he was 40 years old and he said that he had just come to the Lord and his mom had been praying for him for years and that blessed me so much to know there's never, it's never too late. And so I pray for my son. I pray that he would know the Lord, and I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done in his life. So. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I didn't even plan this, okay, so <laughs> I'm just going to wing it. 
Um, gosh. All the prayers that this church family has offered up for my family over the years, I can't begin to describe how thankful I am for that and how blessed I am for all of you. Um, But mostly because my husband has finally come to the Lord, and that's been years of prayer uh, from Rachel and me, my mother, my father. Um, and he, last night we had a company, uh, Rick's, my husband's family, um, came over and we did our traditional fun doing around the table. And, and he, he, he brought the Bible out to read the passage in Luke. And he's like, it, is it okay if we use an NIV or does it have need to be ESV? I mean, he's just really, you know, and his father and him are talking about it. And so it's just really beautiful uh, that he's, you know, so engaged in that uh, now. And it's just, the, the blessing is just indescribable. So thank you, Lord. <laughs> and thank you for all your prayers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Beyond belief, it just brings me so much joy. And my mother would be so happy to know, um, because I know she prayed so many years for him. And my father is still with us, and he is partly responsible to it. He bought him his first Bible with his name on it in gold, you know. So, hallelujah. Thank you. Some of you know and some of you don't because I talked about it at a Bible study last year, but only briefly. But just over a year ago, my boss at Meadows Farms fell down the stairs and hit his head very hard and started foaming at the mouth, had to go to emergency care, and was in a medically induced coma for five days. And then uh, we found out recently that his doctor had a CAT scan of what happened to his brain. Um, There's a midline corpus callosum on your brain, and it's supposed to be right here. His was right here. And this entire side of his brain was blood, swelling, and bodily fluid, and he should have died. But um, he lived, and even somebody who lives through something like that, the recovery process would be years years before he could walk, before he could drive, before, you know, months before he could even eat on his own. Uh, Within one month, he was driving and walking. The same day they told him he would never walk again, he walked to the bathroom. And now, over a year later, he's managing work again. And he was very much atheist before. And right after he came out of the coma, he texted me saying, I'm so blessed to be alive. Would you like to have lunch with me? And he's not at the church-going point yet, but he believes in God now. And I've never heard him say the word blessed before the brain injury. So I'm thankful for his life.
Rachel, thank you for sharing that. Um, I wasn't, I didn't think I would come up here. But God was putting on my heart um, just struggles and peace in the midst of struggles and the blessing to be able to draw near to God in struggles and how he strengthens our faith through trials. And to hear this man say, I'm blessed, when most of the world would look at that and say, how could God? But I'm just praising God because there have been a lot of strained relationships in my life um, recently. And... Hard times with some people that I love very dearly, and it's allowed me to just draw near to God and trust Him in all of it, because I can't control the hearts of man. I can only control my own heart, and um, I just find peace in Him, and I thank Him and praise Him that He never leaves us and He doesn't forsake us, and He walks with us through those trials. He strengthens us because He's not doing something in just me in a situation. He's touching many lives, and we can trust him regardless of what we see or don't see. He is God, and he is good. So I praise him.